Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in episode five of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Durr Johnson. Back-to-back weeks with episodes. Excited for this one. A special guest coming up in a moment, but we're changing the order this week, and I'm opening with my buddy, the play-by-play voice of the Winterhawks, Nick Merrick. Nick, what's going on, man? How was the bus ride up to Victoria? Andy, doing great. It's always, uh, you know, it's always a treat to go across the ferry. I, I really enjoy the trip here to the island. Team's ready for two exciting games. Uh, we have some staff members who came with us as well this time to kind of experience some different rinks. So everything's great from that front. And, uh, you know, honestly, from the team side, it's funny because every time a Victoria trip happens and you have to go across uh, on the Black Ball Ferry there from Port Angeles, it's almost like the WHL orientation, if you will. Like <laughs> you, you, get, you get your sea legs when you, when you join the Winterhawks. So uh, all good, all smiles this weekend. And obviously, hopefully the team can can pull through with a couple of nice wins. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot to get to because last weekend, boy, oh boy, did, did that go well. So I, I want to get to that. Obviously, some big stuff coming up on the schedule. Let me ask you this, though, on the like WHL broadcaster power rankings, where, where does Victoria rank for you? I imagine that has to be somewhat high on the list. You know what? That's a good question. Like, uh, I think in terms of the rink, it's, it's a very nice rink. It's very similar to the fans who maybe have been to Kelowna, mm-hmm. or if they've been to Victoria, then Kelowna is a, a carbon copy of the Kelowna Rockets Arena and Prospera Place. Um, but location-wise, it's, it's really good. Uh, I get a nice perk right over center ice. Uh, they hooked me up with all the ambient sounds, so uh, they kind of have uh, some, some rink mics set up that I could put into the boards. It's always nice. kind of makes you feel like you're more into the game because you hear those extra crunches. Uh, when they're going up against the glass, which is always a good time. Uh, but you know, it's up there. It's up there. It's probably not the top three, but it might be just outside of that. Uh, I, you know, I, no complaints here. Everything's pretty walkable in the city. Um, you know, so overall, from a city perspective, that's going to boost it up uh, immediately because it's just nice to be able to walk around and grab some lunch wherever. Um, you know, you can grab a beer after the game and, and just kind of decompress before the next one. So uh, it's it's pretty much a broadcaster's dream, right? <laughs> well, now I got to follow up and ask: what, what are Nick Merrick's top three locations in the WHL? Then, if this one's not in the top three, give me the top three. Ooh, uh, you know what? For traveling perspective, it's tough because I can't really include any of the Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I could, but it's hard. I've only been to each spot at only once at a minimum, maybe twice if it was the right year. Um, so focusing just out West, I think number one will be Kelowna. Um, just re- really enjoy my time up there. It's, it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, you're kind of in a secluded spot, the hotel that we stay at within a two minute walk of the rink. If that, uh, there's activities going on kind of nonstop. So like it's a city's hustling and bustling. 
Um, and then if, if you get lucky enough and you get an off day in there, you can stay up there for some wine country uh, with some of the, you know, you know, if you come with friends and family and, and you want to make a trip as a fan. So I think that one's the easy number one. Uh, honestly, from a city-wise, Victoria might be number two on that list, okay. um, just strictly because of how much there, there is actually to do on a on an off day. So the team typically, because, you know, the ferry schedule, you have to get in the day before games. Um, the team will have a morning skate before the Friday night game. If you're playing on a Friday, Saturday, or if you're playing on a Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll come in on a Monday, you'll play Tuesday, you'll play Wednesday, you'll leave Thursday morning. So your your road trip's a little bit longer because you have that extra day in the beginning and then you're forced to stay the extra night rather than when teams, you know, typically the game ends at 10 p.m. from Kamloops, you're getting right back on the bus and you, you may be pulling into the VMC at 4.30 in the morning, uh, but at least you knock out the trip, you're back home, you, you know, you have a comfortable Sunday off. Uh, so it's a little bit different of a schedule, but from a city perspective, everything's really walkable here. It's, of course, a little bit chilly now, but, uh, you know, just, just put a little beanie on and get, get some gloves and a thicker jacket, good to go. So I think those would be probably top two. Um, you know what? Third, I'll I'll go with uh, I'll go with Everett on this one. Kind oh. of the same um, feature of of what I've talked about with Victoria and Kelowna. I think it's it's kind of nice just to be able to have a smaller city that you can walk around and it's more accessible. Um, I think I think in terms of that, you, you're finding a trend here. Like I kind of enjoy things that are close by, and part of that's because you're on the team bus. So you know, obviously you could you could use Uber and public transportation and uh, you know hail a taxi here in Canada, but um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to get out and walk and have things close proximity of just taking a nice morning stroll and, and trying to get the mind right um, and just get ready to go for hockey season. So I, I think those are probably the top three uh, when, when we're away from town. I love it, man. I love it. Good rankings. Well, I'm sure Hawks fans are like, all right, enough. Let's get to the team, baby. Because, I mean, Nick, last week we're talking, we're like, all right, this is a big weekend. Seattle's coming in. They're loaded. They're playing incredible hockey. And Portland's got them on a back-to-back. And this is going to be a really challenging weekend, not only – you got Seattle back to back, but then you got a three and three and a four and five. Uh, you know, we, I was there for the TV game on Saturday and following closely on the road up, uh, or excuse me, on Friday, following closely when they're in Seattle on on Saturday, and then that Sunday game was just bananas. I, I, what jumps out to you, man? I what a weekend! This team is playing incredible. Like when I asked you about the weekend, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you? I think it was a terrific weekend, hundred percent. Seven points of a possible eight. You win three straight. You beat your biggest rival in Seattle twice. You beat them on home. You beat them on the road. Um, and looking back at that Friday game that you and I were both in attendance for, you you tell me that the Winterhawks were going to win that game by five. I would have called you crazy. Or by four. <laughs> right. I would have called you crazy. Absolutely crazy. I thought it would be a tight game. Um, you know, things would be a little bit more even. But you look at the power play. That was the biggest takeaway. The, the special yeah. team's play was incredible this weekend. I know there were a couple power play goals against, uh, but the penalty kill wasn't bad. There were just a couple of, uh, of minor mistakes that ended up putting the puck in the back of our net. Um, but, you know, the power play was hot, and that's what the team's riding. I think uh, the number, I, when I was talking with Andy Kemper, um, going into that last game on Sunday against Spokane, the Winterhawks were 13 for 26 on the power play against U.S. division opponents. So they were 50%. <laughs> Every other chance they had in the power play, they were scoring a goal. And then you take Spokane, and then the team went four for six, so now they're better than 50% against U.S. division teams. So that's trending in the right direction. Obviously, it's not going to stay this hot, but um, the fact that it, it shows those flashes early on of the teams getting confidence that their top line, their second power play line, they're scoring goals, um, that's going to bid them a ton of confidence. And, and now you get a little bit of a different schedule. You're seeing the Victoria Royals for the first time. You're going to go back home next week on a Tuesday game. You're going to have a home game. We have three home games in the week. You're taking on the Calgary Hitmen. 
first and only time you'll see them this year. I think the first time they've seen Calgary there in three three plus years at that point. Oh, wow. um, and then and then on to the weekend, you get Camloops back once again, and that's going to be a big night, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit, your Women of the Rose City night, uh, and then another U.S. Division team there sprinkled in. So it's kind of you know off to the races now, and it's nice because you're getting some different opponents. You're seeing some different links in the process of that as well. Um, but, you know, it's just a good, steady start for this team that they're learning through some of those mistakes. You know, obviously Sunday, the most recent one, maybe wasn't the cleanest game, but they still scored seven goals in regulation. Um, <laughs> you know, so at, at least they're finding they can kind of overcome some of those mistakes by putting the puck in the back of the net. Well, I, I think that's a great point where offensively they were they were hot all weekend. The defense, you know, not as, as spectacular on Sunday. The goaltending not as good. But to go into Seattle – I thought on Saturday night, after you beat up on them and it was a physical, chippy game, you know, the end of it, there was a couple of big fights at the end of that game. Like, you, you could tell there was going to be a lot of emotions going in. And it's like, all right, that's great. You protected home ice. The crowd was awesome at the VMC on Friday. To follow it up and go not just beat Seattle back-to-back times, but to dominate them the way that they did, I, I thought it was really eye-opening. You mentioned the offense and the explosiveness and the power play and all that. What did you see from Dante Genuzzi and the way that he played? Uh, because I, I thought he was – I obviously didn't watch as closely on Saturday, but Friday. I thought he was tremendous where not only were they getting the offense going and scoring all those power play goals, but every time Seattle had a clean look, it felt like he was right there to kind of shut the door and keep the momentum on their side. Dante was unbelievable on Friday night against Seattle. That was probably his best game of the year. I'm sure he would say that too. He was, he was back to his battle than Dante days. Like that, that's what you want from your, from your leading goaltender. And he, and he was superb. Um, you know, especially given everything going into that game, the challenge that was ahead the fact that everyone had eyes on you know both Portland and Seattle and probably your game of the night uh, on that night in the Western mm-hmm. Hockey League and then you perform at that capacity it was incredible. So you know to to see a goaltender have the confidence to go into that game is really big. Um, and now now you get to kind of turn the gear a little bit and you know you know a, a chance to see Victoria on the road how that's going to fare. Um, and then you'll focus in on on kind of that team aspect and, and how the team's going to grow together and 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 you know what this next step is going to be for this team because. Against those Seattle games, I feel like they really took the T-Birds off their playing style. Yeah. Like they were, it's almost like Seattle was trying to play more chippy against Portland, and the Winterhawks would would just kind of you know engage in those fights. You know, there were a couple altercations, uh, but then they would know when to stop. Like it was almost one where, in terms of like the fighting discipline, it was really good from Portland. Uh, the penalties they gave up in terms of the delay of games, the bench miners, you know, those will get changed. Um, so they, they still had a couple of poor penalties in that game against Seattle, but but they would they would almost you know draw the right line of the physicality. And Reed Schaefer kind of was you know was was playing tough. Like he wasn't playing that that leading goal scorer in the Western Hockey League game. He was trying to agitate some of the rookies, and the rookies got the best of them. So it kind of shows how poised some of these players are in Portland. Um, and now you hope there's some you know big growing moments from that that, that you could take forward here in the November. Yeah, I think that's a great point of, of not feeding into it. That's so hard to do in a rivalry game when the emotions are there. First time you played all year, and then having to play them on back-to-back nights to have that composure for such a young team. Uh, 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 really exciting. I know one thing we highlighted was was the the blue line, the defense, and the way that they were playing in front of their goaltender. I thought it was fitting on Friday where the first two goals come out, and it's you know McCleary like 20 seconds into the game, first shot, like all right, here we go, and it was great to see him kind of yeah. jump in on the offensive side of things but the defenders I mean it's a young group I think the number is what seven of the eight or under the age of 18 I mean it's a it's a young inexperienced to a certain extent group but uh the way that they jumped in especially as you point out on the power play and the special teams I, I thought that would probably 
and not calm Mike's nerves or not, not that he's worried about it, but just to kind of reassure him that that's a group that's going to develop as the year goes on. And it feels like they're already getting better even from this past weekend where they were maybe two weeks ago. Andy, I would agree with you. I think that was the one question that you and I brought up in the last episode was the fact that, you know, the defense had, had some uh, you know, questions to answer and they, they needed to be able to step up and, and kind of solidify themselves as a group. The talent's there. It's always been there. But it's just kind of going through those early growing pains. You're learning some new systems. As you just said, the team's a little bit younger. You get a 16-year-old back in the mix there defensively. You have a couple of 17-year-olds who you know, are going into their second seasons um, or, or some even their first as a 17-year-old rookie. So it, it's a little bit tough to kind of be able to adjust and, and fully submerge yourself in, um, you know, in the systems of, of Portland. And, and for fans that maybe don't know what I'm referring to there, it's kind of like a playbook in, yeah. in football. Like you kind of have to like learn the playbook and get comfortable with it. And, and, you know, essentially like a route running situation, but you know, you're just doing the typical line rushes and, and, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do we want to break the puck out? How do we want to do our entries? What do I have to do here in this situation? Who am I covering for? Is that, is that my defensive responsibility? You know, and, and it's, it's quick. you got to act fast. That's the biggest change that players always talk about when they go from, you know, playing 16 year old hockey at the under 16 level to now you're jumping up and you're playing against 20 year olds. Um, and you got to play in the Western League, and, and it's high competition. It's that extra, you know, being on top of the ball and being able to think quick and act fast is what's important. And I thought the defense answered almost all those questions over the last week. Now, obviously, consistency is going to speak for itself. Um, but but to show in those four-game stretches that the defense played pretty sharp, um, I think that speaks a lot to their character and, and how much they kind of come together. And uh, Kyle Gustafson works with the defensive, uh, you know, the defenseman on top of the power play. So there were two big steps that he, he was able to make with both of his units. Uh, Cause we just talked about the power play. Now we're talking about how good the defense was and, yeah. and then Pellerin's controlling all the forwards and they've been put pucks to the back of the net since day one. So no issues there. I, I think they have four goals or more in their last five games entering this Victoria trip. Um, and they just came off a season high in goals. So hopefully that, you know, that stays solid. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of positivities to take. I'm sure the coaches have a couple of things they want to tweak and move around, but you know, more, more film will show that. Uh, and then just, just more opportunities to get on the ice and, and uh, play in some of these battle situations will obviously help your team as well. Cause you can't win a season in November, but we found from last year's team and we've already heard from all the podcasts that we've had on as a special guest with, uh, with the Andy is the team knows they can lose a season, if you will, in November. So right now, Bravo. Job well done. There's no season loss right here. They're sitting atop the Western Conference standings, and they're doing a good job of picking up those points when they're available. Amen, man. It's so funny in long seasons. People do that in baseball all the time. Like, ah, who cares about a game in May? And then you look up in September and you're a game out of first place, and it's like, well, if we didn't blow that one lead to the worst team in the league back in May, maybe we would be in first place right now. It's so funny how that stuff, every game counts the same, whether they're happening now or whether they're happening in the final, you know, two weeks of the regular season, and I'm sure it's going to be a tight battle. Uh, How fun was that, Bus ride back from Seattle on Saturday night. Oh, it was really good. Team team was very energized after that Seattle game. Uh, they always stop at, at uh, I think it's called Mama Santorini's. Okay. Help you pronounce that one right. But it's, it's a nice little Italian restaurant right outside the Showers Center. Um, kind of in that shopping corridor for the fans that have made the trek up there. They know where like that Panera Bread is. It's in that same um, you know kind of outlet section. And uh, really really good post game meals. The team was pumped. The, the tunes were going loud. The locker room. Uh, it, was, it was almost hard to get a word in edgewise because everyone was was kind of not necessarily bouncing off the walls, but you could feel the energy was just, you know, continuing into the locker. And part of that too, I'm sure is the fact they knew they had to keep themselves hyped for the next game. Cause that's a lot of hockey, right. uh, you know, so you don't want to really hit this down yet. You want to keep, just 
just keep the muscles going, keep the energy high. It's almost just like continue that adrenaline rush. Just keep it going for 72 hours because you got one more to go. Uh, but you, you want to enjoy the win. And I, I feel like that's always right to, you know, you get a big win. You want to have a, a moment to, to kind of recognize that. Uh, but then obviously once you get in the bus, things settle down a little bit. You just hear some people talking and, you know, everyone's on their phone catching up with friends and family and checking the updates on Twitter. So it wasn't as crazy as you'd imagine. Obviously, like it's not playoff hockey, um, but, you know, the, the, the music was going in the back of the bus and the veterans were controlling that. And I could hear just kind of different mixes from rock in the 2000s and, <laughs> and some hip hop going on. So it was, it was kind of it's kind of fun just to be able to have a more light mode going back rather than a more somber okay you know we just lost we got to figure this out i don't like losing um so there's there's a great contrast between the two but it was nice to have the uh, more excited one this time <laughs> i love it man i love it that seems like you got to keep that energy up that's a long weekend four and five nights so let me ask you this last one on the on the streak and then we'll get to the upcoming schedule they obviously opened the season with their longest winning streak in what you know 40 years it's been a long time since they won seven in a row yeah now we got three in a row again is nick merrick a superstitious guy like are we wearing the same underwear same socks or is that not you <laughs> You know what? I'm kind of a mixture there. Okay. Um, if I if I notice if I notice a combo doesn't work or I just didn't lose with it, I am a little superstitious just from the standpoint of like, well, I can't. I don't want to go back to that one right away because I want to. I don't want to think. Oh, last time I wore this suit and shirt combo uh, with this tie with that. So I'll kind of rotate the ties around too. I'm not extremely superstitious. Like I'll obviously bring it back out at some point, but I just don't come back to it right away. Uh, okay. I feel like I have about three and a half suits I kind of rotate. Three good ones I rotate through. There's one extra one I kind of get in the mix in special nights. Um, and then uh, obviously a ton of dress shirts and a ton of ties. So I got a huge selection. It's not like I'm going to repeat too, too, too often. But obviously we all have our favorites that I go back to. So like on this road trip, for example, uh, I bought three ties and, and two two button-up shirts, and you know, we're only here for two games. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just wake up and stare at the tie and be like, yeah, it's not the one today. Um. <laughs> I love it, man. So you're not Michael Scott. You're not superstitious. Or you're, you're Michael Scott. You're not superstitious. You're a little stitious. You know, you're, you're kind, of, kind of in between. You know, not all yeah, the way, yeah. but a, a little bit here there. So let's get to special well, guests. Well, put, put it this way. Oh, yeah, I know ahead. I'm not superstitious from the standpoint of whatever suit I'm wearing, I know is not going to affect the team, or at least that's my belief, <laughs> right, like in terms of superstition. Okay. But it always – it's one of those was like it sits in your memory because you'll you'll think like oh man the last time I wore that dark suit with the white shirt and that certain red tie because I was like trying to go with the Portland colors then we lost okay now I gotta change that maybe I'll go blue <laughs> you know like so you just have those memories in your head like the last time you wore it this happened um, it doesn't happen super often like I know it happens a lot with with coaches especially like I, I'm a big uh, you know, follower of UNC basketball, uh, uh -huh. for an example. So like I would hear from Roy Williams all the time and he'd be talking about, wow, I can't wear this blazer because you know, my team was, was up by two and they gave up the last second three. So I had to retire that one almost for the entire season. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the coaching budget to, to be able to buy 15 different suits to be able to rotate these out. But Hey, the team's only lost once in regulation. So yeah. maybe I could get by it this year. <laughs> I love it, man. I think I got that. My my grand my grandfather lived in Nebraska. And he was a diehard Nebraska fan, and whenever they would be losing a game, he'd have to get up and leave his house and walk around the block, and he'd just keep walking. And occasionally, he'd check in and be like, "Have they made a comeback yet?" You know, like poke his head in the door, see what the score is. And if they're playing good, he'd be like, "All right, I got to keep going." He'd just keep walking and walking and walking until the game was over. So it's so funny how fans and people think their act, you know, their actions and their outfit can uh, impact the game. But it's fun. That's what we love about sports. Let's get to the special guest for this 
episode. So you set this up. There's a women in hockey night coming up that I'm really excited for. This would have been a great one to have you on, but you're in Victoria. You know, I'm back in Portland, so we couldn't quite coordinate that. But Jaina Hefford is coming on. So for those who don't know who she is, kind of explain to them who she is and why the women in hockey night, first off, when it is, and just the special things that are going on with that event coming up at the BMC. Yeah, fans are about to get a treat here. Jana Heffer's an, an unbelievable person um, in the hockey landscape uh, as a human being from the you know the time I got to work with her and, and interact um, with her, and obviously was a key member of, of a sport uh, of our sport of hockey for literally since the since the nineties. Um, so she's an operations uh, director, if you will, with PWHPA consultant there uh, with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. And it's one of uh, the premier women's pro leagues that's currently operating on a tour basis uh, and kind of uh, trekking through the United States into Canada on, you know, a different weekend type schedule. They'll have the top Olympians from the United States and Canada and other countries represented in this pool of about, uh, I think it's close to a hundred talented women, um, many gold medalists, silver medalists, you name it. Um, a part of this, this, um, professional tour and you know they kind of go from city to city and and uh, play out their their season-long schedule and um you know it's a very cool environment to be able to connect with different communities on the route and, and i feel like that was something that really stood out of wow this is such a unique model that obviously is very effective and it's working and i love to see it flourishing and obviously the the winter Hawks know of, of women's professional sports, especially with the thorns and them coming off a, a championship just a few weeks ago. Um, but how dominant they've been in the league in, in Portland for many, many years. Um, so I think fans are going to enjoy hearing from Jana and one of those uh, trailblazers now, hopefully and building up a professional women's um, you know, league in, in the sport of hockey. And she's been around for so long, five time gold medalist, silver medalist, world champion played for Canada, played professionally for over a dozen years. So her resume itself speaks for itself. But obviously here in the States, sometimes when we aren't as dialed into the hockey scene, especially up in Canada, um, you know, it's a good chance to kind of get an opportunity to, to know who Jana Hefford is and, and see what she's about and what she's looking to do. Um, and just a great, hopefully a great interview coming up with her. Uh, I'm sure it will be with Andy. And uh, obviously the reason it's big is because Women of the Rose City Night, that's coming up. It's on Saturday, November 19th. The Winterhawks taking on the Kamloops Blazers. Um, unfortunately, Jaina will not be there for that, uh, though obviously her, her schedule is a little booked uh, with all the events <laughs> right. she has going on. We did, we, did, we did wish we could get her out for that one, but hopefully we'll be able to get her out for a future um, Winterhawks game night. But there's a big community panel ahead of time, and uh, we're working with the Portland Thorns, the Portland Trailblazers, Adidas, Sport Oregon, Portland Wise, so many groups. Um, to make this a great networking event and, and allow kind of our sports community um, with, with of course, that female focus because of how hard it is and, and how you know it, difficult it, it, it's got to be for them to break into the sports and, and how far we've come um, kind of in, you know, obviously we're talking about professional women's hockey here in Portland. Like that's unbelievable. I absolutely love hearing that. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a great night ahead. Fans can learn more on winterhawks.com about that game. Um, and you can also register as well at winterhawks.com um, slash women's night to see if you can uh, register there for that panel and be a part of that networking system with, with the many panelists that will be there. Also, our good friends at COIN will be um, around as well to, to speak on women's night, and we'll have a, a great host uh, from our COIN family. 
Um, so it's just going to be a great night overall. A lot of that's taking care, uh, taking place pregame uh, before puck drop there on that Saturday night game against Kamloops, but it's going to be at the Coliseum. So it's a nice kind of all-in-one networking events. Um, hear from some very special women in the, in the uh, Rose City, thus women of the Rose City night, and then get to enjoy a Winterhawks hockey game. Uh, against another good rival there in, in Campos. That's a great night, a great event. Love the stuff they're doing in the community. And uh, to just, you know, have a, a league like that grow so young girls all over the place can have, you know, figures and athletes that they can look up to if they want to get into hockey and that there's a path for them. It's just really cool what they're doing. Awesome stuff. Thanks for setting that up. Uh, have a great call in Victoria, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm envious. It seems like a beautiful city. I got to get up to Victoria at some point, have a safe bus trip back, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Always appreciate it, man. Yeah, sounds great, Andy. Really, really good talking with you. And for fans that want to come out in Victoria ever in the season, I know it's not this year, but it's an easy four-hour drive. Just get that black ball ferry in uh, Port Angeles, and, and maybe you can come with Andy and I in the next one. <laughs> All right, next up on the Portland Winterhawks podcast, we're excited for this one. Easily the most prestigious person we have ever interviewed on this podcast, and we're really excited for it because there's a connection with Portland and some exciting things that the Winterhawks are doing here at the local level uh, in the community. But joining us now on the Winterhawks podcast is Jana Hefford. She is, how about this resume, a Hockey Hall of Fame inductee, She's a five-time Olympic medalist, four-time gold medalist, and uh, now she is a consultant for the PWHPA, uh, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Jaina, first off, uh, thanks for hopping on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Happy to be a part of it. Well, this is so exciting. So I want to start, you know, before we get to all the stuff that's going on in your current career and, you know, what's happening with the PWHPA and all the cool stuff you guys are doing at the local level, I mean, let's go back to your, your the, the playing career over 15 years playing professionally, representing Canada on, on the international stage and in the Olympics. I mean, looking back on that, how do, how do you reflect on your playing days? Well, obviously look back on it fondly and from a, a sense of just being able to compete in a sport that I loved and I was so passionate about and had the fortunate opportunity to rep my, represent my country for a lot of years and Olympic games and world championships. And um, I still have such a passion for the game, which is why I'm still involved. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously great memories, great experiences. And, um, you know, obviously really proud to have had the opportunity to represent Canada so many times. Yeah. I'd I'd imagine. I mean, I, this is probably a a dumb question to ask, like, Hey, which is your favorite kid? Is there like a gold medal that stands out (laughs) above the other ones? You got four of them. Is there one that like is a little bit more special? Yeah. You know what? I use the same line when people ask me that, but, um, you know, I, when I think about it, it, it's hard to beat your first gold. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won our first gold in 2002 in Salt Lake City. And um, not only had we lost four years earlier to the Americans, uh, but we weren't expected to win. It was a bit of a Cinderella story. We had lost, you know, eight times in a row to the Americans leading into the gold medal game, which was in the U.S. So for us, it was sort of, a, you know, defy the odds kind of victory there to win our first ever gold medal. So that one was obviously very special. Um, and then my last one as well, which was in Sochi in 2014. And, mm-hmm. uh, we were a team that, you know, we were down to two nothing with, um, just under four minutes to go. And we, we came back and we tied it up and got to overtime and won in overtime. And that was the first time an Olympic gold medal was given out in overtime. It happened to be the last time I played for team Canada. So that was a pretty special one as well to see that, you know, the perseverance of that team. Right. For, for somebody who will never know what that feels like, not only representing your country on that stage, but then I, I imagine, uh, you know, just watching hockey in the Olympics for so long and so many years, the, the rivalry and the matchup between Canada and USA is always so entertaining. And every four years, it feels like it's, you know, here we go again. What, what is that like when, I mean, not only representing your country, but then when you get that rivalry going in so many big time gold medal games or, uh, you know, quarterfinals, wherever you're at, when you're taking on the American, 
and just walk me behind. For, for, I'm never going to do it. So what's it like when you're skating onto the ice and you're in that moment and you're taking on a big-time international rival? Yeah, you know what? It's Those are the games that you want to be playing in. And, of course, there's a heated rivalry, and it, it is incredibly intense. And, you know, there is that sort of hatred when you're on the ice. But the unique thing, I think, about our rivalry is, you know, one, the longevity of it. This has been a rivalry that's now been long and intense and healthy for 20-plus years. But secondly, these are the two countries that continue to lead the world in women's hockey. And so in many ways, we know we're doing it together and we're growing the game together. And, you know, they're going to bring out the best in the Canadians and the Canadians are going to bring out the best in the Americans. And so there's a lot of respect for one another, but there is uh, quite a heated rivalry between the two. And, um, you know, when you have those moments in training, when it's difficult and it's hard, you know, there's, there's one other team you're picturing when you're trying to get through those moments. Um, and that's, that's who it is. Yeah. You, you mentioned how, you know, Canada and the U S do a great job of kind of evolving and working, uh, towards growing the sport, you know, in, in, with women hockey. I mean, how have you seen the landscape evolve for women playing hockey from when you started to, to where it is today? Well, yeah. And I mean, with the PWHPA, that, that sort of dynamic is front and center of what we're doing, but, um, yeah, you know, unfortunately growth takes time and, and it's been a little bit slow, I'd say in our sport, but as we see the success of Olympic games and the success from the point of view of, you know, from fan engagement, but also viewership is, is in the millions and millions uh, to watch a gold medal game between Canada and the U S and we see that fan support. We see the, the upward trends of women's sports and you guys would know that better than anyone in Portland with what the thorns have done and and the support around those, those women. So, you know, there's definitely growth. Um, We're trying to, to grow the game in a new way and we're trying to, um, create a, a women's professional league that will be sustainable and will allow the women to train at the highest level and be supported uh, like every other professional um, in terms of infrastructure and resources and things like that. So we have the Canadian players and we have the American players and they are really on this mission together to leave the sport better. And it's a really powerful and inspiring you know, story we've been a part of. And um, we're just, you know, we're working so hard every day to make sure that we we know that the next young girl that wants to play hockey is going to have a future in it. Yeah, I mean, you kind of highlighted it there, but not to be redundant, I'm just to kind of hit on that issue. What are the biggest barriers that are showing up as you guys are trying to grow this thing and evolve this thing? Well, over the years, there's been a, a lot of different leagues that have you know, started up and been considered successful and professional because they had the best players in them. I myself played in three different leagues growing up, and um, you know they would – they would start off and be successful and then they would, you know, somebody wouldn't want to lose money anymore and the league would shut down. So another league would start. Um, and that's been sort of a, a tough pattern for women's hockey. And mm-hmm. so when the Canadian league folded in 2019, that's when the, the PWHPA was formed because these players, all of the players on team USA, all the players on team Canada got together, you know, as leaders in our sport and said, we can't continue to let this cycle evolve. We can't pass this problem off to the next generation and they courageously created this United Voice under the guidance of Billie Jean King. Um, and we're four years down the road, and we've, we've worked with industry experts. We've put our own business plan in place, a fully-costed business model for a professional league. We've engaged investors. We feel like we're on the precipice of, of something really exciting here, um, and it's been led by the players. And that's what's really unique about this. And, um, you know, to have the Hillary Knights and the Kendall Coyne Schofields and Mary-Philippe Poulin and all the biggest women in the game – that have stuck strong at, at, in this players association and decided they wouldn't play at any league until one came along 
that supported them the way a professional should be supported. Yeah. Um, so it's been an empowering journey, and, and we feel like we're making some good progress, and we're excited for what's to come. That's really exciting. So let's get to, like, for those who don't know a lot about the league and how you guys kind of operate, I mean, if my research is correct, you guys were in Nova Scotia last week, I believe, and then Thanksgiving you're going to Pittsburgh, and you guys kind of go into a city and you you, you do these um, camps and clinics for younger kids and try and get more people involved. Just kind of walk me behind a typical weekend for the for the PWHPA. Yeah, we've started this sort of, I guess you could call it a barnstorming tour uh, across <laughs> North America, and we try to hit as many markets as we can. We try to engage with local NHL partners if there happens to be an NHL team or uh, a junior team or whatnot. And the reason for that is because we have a standard of professionalism when it comes to facilities and infrastructure and promotion and marketing, and, and we want to maintain that. So we try to partner with those groups locally. We come in and we know having an impact in the community is critical. So, um, you know, we run clinics for typically young girls. We run, you know, women's leadership panels, um, autograph sessions after the games. Our athletes are, make themselves so accessible because they know that's all part of growing the sport and they know it's a responsibility that they carry and, and that they believe is important. And then we play games because an important part of this as well is to make sure that our athletes who go on to represent Canada and the United States uh, in world championships and Olympics also have an incredibly high level of competition. Mm-hmm. So having all the best players in the world together in this one players association um, has created some incredible hockey. Uh, and this year we have a little bit different format where we have mixed up rosters and it's, it's proven to be really entertaining and really exciting across our four teams. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to do it. I mean, as you've kind of traveled around and this is growing, have, have you noticed a, an increase in, in the, you know, the amount of kids that are participating in some of these? Because that's kind of a unique thing when you're, it's not just you're, you're putting on a sport and you're hoping that it trends down and that, you know, or trends upwards, I should say, and that you see more kids participating. I mean, you're in different cities all the time. Are you seeing those numbers go up? And, and how cool is it for the kids to be able to be there and kind of look up to these athletes? Yeah, it's such an amazing experience. If I was able to do that as a, young girl I, you know, <laughs> right. I, I don't even know I would I would have been so excited um, but you know when we release an event and tickets for an event for the games we also re- release these clinic opportunities and uh, it's pretty amazing when you get to see all these young girls they and they typically sell out immediately or very quickly for these clinics because they have an opportunity to get on the ice with these women um, so the chance to skate with a Hillary Knight or a Kendall Coyne Schofield and um, you know, get a picture with them and actually engage with them um, is a pre- pretty amazing opportunity. And we know that, you know, as Billie Jean King would say, you have to see it to be it. Mm-hmm. So for the chance to actually, for a young girl and even a young boy, to be able to see these women up close and personal, see how good they are, get to meet them, maybe get an autograph and a picture. It's it's a, an opportunity that kids don't forget and it's a memory that lasts a lifetime no absolutely like on that note when when you were a kid what was it that sparked your love of of hockey was it just in the family at all times were you kind of the the black sheep you picked it up on your own how did how did your journey begin (laughs) yeah I grew up in a hockey family my parents were were pretty involved and you know hockey night in Canada was a thing my older brother played hockey and and enjoyed it and you know I played every sport growing up but I clearly had this passion for hockey that was very evident and it was really always the sport I wanted to do and what I wanted to follow. And fortunately my parents encouraged that and they could see that passion I had for it. And, and although it was a a less common path than what most young girls would have chosen, they certainly encouraged me to, to chase that dream. And Mm -hmm. um, thankfully they did. Um, And I think, you know, for any parent, all you can hope for your children is that they find a passion and they want to work at it and they want to be great at it. And they, they have fun, 
anytime they get to do it. So, um, you know, fortunately I had that situation growing up, but I think as more and more young girls see a future for themselves in hockey, that's how we're going to continue to grow the sport. Um, as I said, as Billie Jean King, you got to see it to be it, and, yeah. and that's something. Those are words we live by. Well, and that, you know, the Winterhawks got something really cool coming up, and it's their their Women of the Rose City Night and, and the big game, and it's it's a cool thing that they do just to kind of get involved with the community. But for those who don't know, a, a lot of your athletes the very next day are going to be in Seattle on November twentieth. Uh, the day after that game is on the nineteenth, the Women of the Rose City game, and there's going to be a U.S. versus Canada rivalry series game, um, and then the league is going to play, and you know, as we mentioned earlier in Pittsburgh, the following weekend for thanksgiving uh do, are we ever going to see the pwhpa in portland uh, seattle's great or, you know can we drive down i-5 <laughs> south a couple hours here well i certainly hope so um <laughs> you know I, I obviously you know i think when it comes to women's sports the success of one women's sport elevates and lifts every female yeah. sport and we see that with female athletes and you know obviously i think portland is the epitome of that when you look at the thorns and you look at soccer and the success and the athletes that that play there and so I can tell you that Portland is a, a very um, a market that we're looking at very closely, and um, I know our athletes. Uh, we'd be pretty excited to get out there. So we're uh, we're definitely exploring those opportunities. Well, I love it. There's some fun announcements coming. We'll we'll uh, we'll let the Winterhawks take care of that. But really excited about this. And, and thanks so much for hopping on. I know as a you know growing up as a kid, being able to see people that I looked up to and played sports uh, kind of be role models and somebody that you wanted to emulate and follow through. Having that ability for younger girls is is really cool. And what you guys are doing is amazing. So congratulations on all the success. And thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and look forward to hopefully meeting in person soon. All right, that'll do it. Episode five of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. Thanks again for tuning into uh, the episode this week. My many thanks to Nick Merrick for hopping on uh, from Victoria. The Hawks, what a weekend they had. How awesome was that to see him not only beat Seattle twice, but to dominate them the way that they did. I know you were talking to some folks before the game and hopeful that they were going to put on a good performance. I I did not see that coming in the least. So uh, this team, I think, opened a lot of eyes about where they're at, not only in the U.S. division, not only in the Western Conference, but the entire WHL with the way that they played, the way their power play is clicking right now. It, they're just they're a lot of fun to watch, man. It's a young team that's that's really starting to get better and improve as the year goes on. And you know, the scary thing is is Mike Johnston really says, let's figure things out until December and then we take off from there. And you remember last year, that's when kind of things re reshuffled and they got some guys back. DeRoe came back and they really took off in the last couple of months of the season. It's the opposite this year. They're off to a great start and they still don't really know what their identity is and the roles and learning the system and all that. So you imagine with a coach like Mike Johnson, they're only going to continue to get better. Really exciting. What a great weekend. Uh, the three and three to get seven out of a possible eight points, as Nick pointed out there at the start of the start of the podcast. Uh, really fun to watch. Really exciting. And now they're up in Victoria. So we'll see if Portland can continue this winning streak. Uh, Jana Hefford, how great was that? How how cool is that to have a five-time Olympian on the podcast? I mean, we've interviewed some cool people. That one's up there for me. And and what a special you know thing that that league is trying to do to grow the game of hockey for young girls all over the world and all over the country to have role models and people that they can look up to. I love the model of going into a city, you know, kind of mixing the rosters. It's really cool stuff. And a reminder there, as Nick said uh, earlier in the podcast, just to update you, uh, Saturday, November 19th, I mean, Kamloops, first off, great game to go to. Second off, you add the community impact that's happening on that night. Uh, the first in their hockey is for everyone series for the Winterhawks, Women of the Rose City Night, Saturday, November 19th. Prestigious women from all over the porting, uh, you know, Portland 
and sporting world are going to be at the VMC for a networking event. Uh, the team's going to recognize some local female hockey players during the game. Uh, and make sure if you're at the game, you can show your support purchasing a Women of the Rose City t-shirt at the game at the Winterhawks team store. And you can learn more about not only the, the Women in Hockey or, or Women in the Rose City night, but also their Hockey is for Everyone series. Go to winterhawks.com. They got all the information up there. You can go find out everything that you need to know. One other like fun random note that I don't know uh, how many people know this, but there's obviously those big-name Olympians uh, that were mentioned there with Jaina that are p- a part of this league. One of the, the players in that league is Rebecca Johnston, and you might say, hey, that name's familiar. She's the niece of uh, Portland Winterhawks coach Mike Johnston. She is an unbelievable player. She's got three Olympic gold medals, so a low Local connections back to Portland and uh, really exciting stuff. So I can't thank you enough for tuning in. I I love hearing comments from those of you uh, that enjoy the podcast. And and it's just been a lot of fun to put together this week. Uh, Probably no episode next week. We'll be back in two weeks kind of revisiting some of those player spotlights and chatting with some guys about how the season is going so far. And a reminder, uh, no matter how you find this podcast, it's always on 1080thefan.com. It's on the Odyssey app. The Winterhawks put it out on their website, winterhawks.com. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to go subscribe to the podcast no matter where you get it and you're going to get an update every time a new episode comes out so you're not left in the lurch and uh, trying to find a tweet and, a, and an article or a link on a website it'll update there right to your phone hey here's a new episode of the Portland Winterhawks podcast so that will do it for episode 5 thank you so much for tuning in again thanks to Nick Merrick and Jana Hefford for hopping on the pod this week until next time I'm your host Andy Dirk Johnson go Hawks okay. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni Yes, I do Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.